say things and sing things than live things. But as Christians, we're called to walk a walk. And when we, we sing, my heart surrendered. You know, there are so many things that are pulling on our hearts every day. Some of them are really good. Some of them are really bad. But none of them are as good as God. And that's where God, God is not going to pull and rip you away from any, anything, but God is constantly waiting for us to turn to him and give ourselves to him. When we sang, you know, our, our hearts are surrendered. Our lives are surrendered to him. That's what he wants, and that's what we need. Please understand, God's not asking something from us because he needs it. He doesn't need anything. But we need him. We need him in every area, every aspect of our lives. And I will tell you right now, if you check this out, the areas of our lives that we're struggling the most and we have the most fear in are the areas that we haven't given to God. And that ought to be a real quick indicator of what needs to be adjusted and turned over to him. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him. And then it goes on to tell us why. Because he cares for us. Everybody wants somebody to care for them. But there's nobody that cares for us like God does. He has loved us with an everlasting love. He cares for us when we're doing what he wants us to do and when we're not doing what he wants us to do. And so today, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for a second. You know, this is, this is one of those moments where you made the effort to come out and God's going to meet you right where you are. And right here, right now, I really believe Holy Spirit is... is helping us come to a reality that maybe we wouldn't if we hadn't been here. But in this moment, whether you're here or online, just take a moment and, and just let God help you understand the areas that you're holding back and, and realizing that the reason why we hold things back from God is we're afraid and we don't trust him, which is a lie. We, we should never be afraid of God in terror because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from him. His ways are best and perfect. And so right now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except be honest with God. Those things that are weighing on your heart, those things that were, were troubling you as you came in today or this week, lay them at the feet of Jesus right now. Give those cares and concerns to him and let him work on them because the Bible says he doesn't sleep or slumber. So Heavenly Father, we come to you. The, your word says we can come confidently, expectantly to your throne of grace where we find mercy and grace to help in time of need. And Father, we need help. There are things that are overwhelming to us that causes us to, to allow fear to affect our lives. But Father, we know that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love 
a sound mind. So we thank you that you are our Father, loving, caring, kind, patient, merciful, generous, almighty, creator of the universe. And as we turn these things over to you, we know, we know that you will work all of this out for good. And we thank you for this right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. God is so good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. And you may say, oh my gosh, that was a, that was a blast from the past. No, but it's still true. So don't be surprised if we do that more often. Um, before you sit down, any of the children from six weeks to sixth grade need to head over to the Res Kids Rainforest. And Quest, you have no Quest today because the Quest team is out ministering at the Boilermaker. But the rest of you, just turn quickly and greet somebody and you can be seated because we've got a lot today. So as we said, the, uh, the Quest isn't having Quest service today because the team is out with the team at the Boilermaker. Uh, we've got a group out there, and this morning I want you to see their shining, smiling faces because they were probably up before many of you. But there they are, ready to serve 14,000 people or more. Amen. But right now, I just want us to pray for them. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the team being out there and, and uh, ministering. You said if we give a cup of cold water to the least of these, we've done it unto you. So they're serving you, Lord, but they're serving those that you love. And today, Father, we thank you for the impact they're going to have. We don't know this side of heaven, what our actions produce. But, Father, we know if we're obedient and willing the best will come. So, Father, right now, we thank you for strengthening the team. We thank you for opportunities for them to pray over, pray with, and pray for all those runners and the rest of the servants out there. Father, we're, we're believing for lives to be changed eternally, and we thank you for the privilege and opportunity of being able to be out there and serve you by serving others. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, you know, this is one of the things that, that God does. At least he does it here. Uh, we're a local church, and we do local outreaches. We, we invest in the community because we believe that that's what God's word says, that we're supposed to be witnesses and impacting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So uh, we need to do something in our own hometown, in our, our neighborhoods, and and. You know, that's what we do. We don't just do it as an event. We do it every day. We should be reaching out to people all the time. But we're a local church with a global influence. How many of you think it's pretty amazing when you walk into the foyer now? Some of you are like, what do you mean? You know, it just baffles me that, that people sometimes don't see what's going on. One Christmas Eve, before the, uh, the Christmas Eve service, we had put up big letters up on top of the uh, uh, crossover, the balcony, uh, of joy, J-O-Y. They're huge. They're, they're tall, as tall as I am or taller. 
And I asked, so what'd you think? And some people were like, of what? The, the, the joy. What joy? So I don't think you can miss all the flags. But I want you to know all those flags up there are not all the countries that you support by, by uh, giving to this ministry. There's another ministry, our newest missions ministry that we support is SOS. And you can go online and look, look them up. Uh, the missions organizations that we support are all because we have relationship with the people in the missions organizations. And uh, SOS, one of the, the um, I believe he's one of the founding leaders and, and I think he's second in command, but his name is Fernando uh, Valenzuela. And so he, oh, Di Carvolo, I'm thinking of another guy, but Fernando Di Carvola, he has uh, been in Africa and he sent me this video. So I want you to see what's happening in Africa because of you. Now the thing you need to understand the thing you need to understand about Lindy is Lindy is known in the country of Tanzania that it is cursed. So Lindy was a city that was dying. More and more people were moving out. They they were told don't invest in Lindy. Uh, if you invest in Lindy or you move to Lindy or you do business in Lindy, you'll be cursed. And so people believed it. How many of you know people believe anything? And so people were moving out and the town was dying and SOS went in. God directed them to go into the town of Lindy and preach the gospel. And as you saw, 3,500 people heard the message. 500 were saved. That's what they know of. There may have been more because Lindy is predominantly Muslim. And a lot of times people don't want it known that they've given their life to Christ. But I want to tell you something else about this, which is pretty amazing. The man that you heard talking, that's Fernando. He was a neighbor of, of our son, Brandon. That's how I got to know him. And uh, at the end of the crusade, he felt very strongly impressed by Holy Spirit to give a word to the town of Lindy. This town that's dying, this town that is known as a cursed place. No one should go there, and most people are trying to find a way out. And God spoke to uh, Brother Fernando, and he said, tell them Lindy is going to be a place where everybody wants to live. 
Lindy is going to be a place where everybody wants to have a business, where everybody is prospering. And people were just in shock. Because it's just the opposite of what they've heard all their lives. And yet God was proclaiming something through a vessel of what his plan was. How many of you know God's plan is different than the plan everybody and anybody else has for you? The plan God has for you is for what? That's right. Good, not for evil, with a future and a hope. And even though everybody was saying, Lindy is cursed, God was saying, Lindy, you are blessed. Just days later, the headlines in all the major newspapers in Tanzania quoted the president saying, Lindy is the most prosperous town in our country. That people ought to move to Lindy. People ought to invest in Lindy. That Lindy is blessed. How did that happen? Well, it just so happened that somebody found some very rare minerals that Lindy is over. Now, who would know that? Nobody but God. And that's where you and I, we, we, we walk around, we hear all sorts of things from all sorts of experts, all sorts of people, and, and all sorts of groups that say, well, this is the way it is. I want you to know, it doesn't matter how many people say what they say, if it doesn't line up with God, what God says, it's a lie. And God can do above and beyond anything you and I can imagine or dream of. Amen? And this is what you've done. You've helped the town of Lindy Learn who Jesus is. You're here in central New York and you're impacting the country of Tanzania. I think that's pretty cool and it deserves a, a praise. Amen. God is so good. And that's why we, we've been learning. We've been learning about the kingdom of God because, you know, we live in this world and we have so many things that we are focused on and we become accustomed to prioritizing, just as, as Frank was saying today, you know, are, are you rich? And, and what, what is it that causes us to, to be prosperous and rich? And, and if you ask anybody outside of a church environment, they're going to say money. But I want you to know, if you have money and you don't have health, are you prosperous? If you have money and you don't have peace, are you prosperous? If you have money and you have no joy, are you prosperous? No. So money isn't what causes you to be rich or wealthy or prosperous. It doesn't even have to be a part of it. But God, God desires that you prosper and are in health even as your soul prospers. And God wants to make finances available to you. But please understand this. This is why God brings finances into our lives. He wants our lives blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. But he also brings finances, the scripture says, into our lives to establish his covenant. His covenant in the earth where people would look at you and see the prosperity in your life and be envious. That's what people do, don't they? When they see something somebody else has and they don't. Don't they become envious and jealous? 
Yeah, well, that's the natural way of people working. And that envy and jealousy draws attention to what somebody else has. And it's not the right way. But God will use that to cause them to find out how you became so blessed and so prosperous. Now, you and I have to have integrity. We have to have enough integrity when it happens. When somebody looks at our lives and says, I want what you have. We don't say, well, I worked really hard for it. I got this amazing education. I've got all this experience. I'm, I, 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 I. That's an I problem. But we recognize every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. The blessings come from God. He's intended your life to be absolutely abundantly overflowing in blessings so that you can be a blessing to the people that don't know who he is yet and are going to look at you and envy you and want what you have and not realize who gave it to you and who's, who, who's, who it is from. And you can be that witness that God has. Amen? But it's a different kingdom. It's a kingdom that we live in that's different than anything we've ever experienced our whole lives. You know, I am, I am somewhat envious of the little kids that we have going into the rainforest. Because when I was little, I didn't have that type of, of situation. I had religion that was available to, new, to me. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but I did not have anybody telling me that I could have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And so these children are being trained up. Our youth and quest are being trained up, not on religion, but on relationship that is vibrant and growing and has an impact on our lives so we can have an impact in the world. But that relationship causes us to become members of a new kingdom. See, as a believer in Jesus Christ, earth isn't our home, heaven is our home. We're here. The Bible tells us that we're here as soldiers, ones that are passing through. But we're passing through not to try and get to a destination. We're trying to fulfill God's will here in the earth for the time that we have. The Bible says we were created for God's pleasure, not for our pleasure. That's why so many people are miserable, saved and unsaved, Christian and non-Christian. Because they're trying to get their lives to be what they want them to be. And the whole focus is this way. And anything that's inward focused is going to collapse. And so many people's lives are collapsing because all, their life is only as big as them. And it's when you turn outward. When you recognize all that you have. The abundant blessings, the, the prosperity, the riches that God has brought to your life and my life. Because he is now Lord of our life. Now we can turn outward and receive what he has freely and freely give to other people. And the Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. And unfortunately, some Christians never realize that because they're always looking to get. And it's because we don't realize how much we already have. But we, we have been learning about the kingdom of God and we've been studying and looking at the Lord's Prayer that is, prayer is the way that communication is done in the kingdom with our king. We, we 
connect with our king in prayer. Now, prayer isn't always speaking. There's a part of prayer that's listening. There's a part of prayer that's just waiting on God. There's a part of, of that, that communication that God will use the word of God, cause us to find scriptures to remind us and reinforce in us what he has for us. But also sometimes, have you ever read scriptures and it shocked you? It's like, oh. You know, I, I became aware that the Bible tells us that every bit of scripture that we, we read, we learn, we become responsible for. And so I quit reading my Bible. <laughs> I am not joking. I did not want to be responsible for anymore because I looked at my life and I said, man, I'm not doing what I already know. I don't, I, don't, I don't need a whole lot more to just get information because the Bible tells us that knowledge puffs up, causes us to be prideful. And, and I just wanted to do what God, God's word said. And there was so much more than I had already learned that I wasn't applying. And, and there's a gap. There's a gap in all of our lives. What we have learned, what we know, and what we're doing. And, and what we've learned and what we know, you know, I'm talking about we've kind of uh, put it in some sort of uh, file in our brain. And what we're doing, that gap between the two is where the enemy operates. And this is why we give him that space. Because the Bible says to be hearers of the word and not doers. We deceive ourselves. And the enemy operates in deception. Where there's deception, there is Oh, thank you. I'm so glad some of you remember that. Where there's deception, there's loss. And so the enemy is there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But getting back to the prayer, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. There are two places in the Scripture that we find it. One is in Luke chapter 11. And the disciples were, were with Jesus, and he had been praying, and they looked at him and listened to him, and they followed him and had watched this happen over and over because Jesus would regularly depart and pray. And they, they, they came to him and said, listen, teach us to pray. Of all the things that they asked him to teach them, oh, teach us how to do miracles. Teach us how to multitude the fish and the loaves. Teach us how to walk on water. Teach us how to still the waves. What they asked was, teach us how to pray. And so in Matthew, we've been looking at this, Matthew chapter uh, 6 uh, we've been looking, we've looked at verse, verse 9, which is the beginning of it, and I don't have it up here, so there's no cheat sheet. How does the Lord's Prayer start out? Our Father, who is in heaven. Right. So we've looked at this, and we found out it starts out with our Father, which is an indication of relationship. And, and our Heavenly Father is one who loves us more than anybody else, wants the best for us, and can do the best for us. So we're going to our Father, the one we should run to all the time. But he's not just my Father. He's our Father. So it's speaking of relationship, our loving relationship with the creator of the universe. How crazy is that? Seriously, think about this. Who, who is it that you hold in really high esteem that you look at and you think, man, if I could just have a couple of minutes with that person, just be in their presence. And, and we're so in awe. You know, it, 
the boys, our boys growing up played hockey. And uh, Wayne Gretzky was somebody that they looked up to. And there were others, but to be in Wayne Gretzky's presence. Now, he was one of the first ones to be called a goat, greatest of all times. And yet, okay, what can Wayne do for us? Well, you know, I scored a lot of goals. Played in a lot of Stanley Cup playoffs. I have a lot of, of playoff rings. Well, he can't do much for you. And I'm going to tell you, whoever it is that we hold in high esteem, they're not going to be able to do too much for us because of their accomplishments. Actors, what can they do for you? Sports personalities? Millionaires, billionaires? But you and I have this incredible, amazing, extraordinary, exceptional opportunity to be able to interact on a personal one-on-one -on -one basis with the creator of the universe. <laughs> That's really great. I can't see him. I can't feel him. can't hear him. He's more real than everything you see because he made it. He's more real than anything you can learn because he doesn't have just a part of knowledge. He's got all knowledge. And he can do anything. So when we waste our time, that, that was bad. When we spend our time seeking after and pursuing all these other things and people, realize there's another option that is exceedingly, abundantly better than all the rest of them put together, and that is our Father. And then we found out, it says, who is in heaven. That's to give us kind of a balance. Hey, Daddy, but you're in heaven. Because we should never take our heavenly Father for granted. We should never become so familiar with our complete opportunity to be with our Heavenly Father that we just kind of, well, you know, I'll get to you. He's in heaven. He's got a perspective you and I won't have until we're done with this part of life, even if we start to have it then. He's in heaven. And then the first proclamation declaration, determination of this prayer happens. Hallowed be thy name. Holy, sacred, honored, esteemed, valued, prized, exalted is his name. And guess who hallows his name? How does the name of God become hallowed, sacred, uh, revered? You know, we can come in here and we can sing all the praise songs we want to and lift up the name of Jesus. But if we're not lifting it up out there in our lives, then we're taking the Lord's name in vain. And we talked about this last week. The way the name of God is hallowed, is shown to be sacred and holy and valuable and revered and esteemed and exalted is how we live our lives. Because I can devalue 
and I can disgrace God's name by the things I do and the things I say. And that's what this prayer is about. It's about us adjusting our lives, that our lives are going to exalt the name of Jesus, hollow the name of God, show people that this is sacred, this is holy, this is valuable, this is to be revered, esteemed, and exalted. And when our lives live that way, we are a witness to the people around us, which is exactly what Jesus wanted us to be. But today we're going on, and this all builds. We, we couldn't hollow the name of our Father if we didn't know him. How do you, how do you show someone to be revered and, and honored and respected and valued if you don't know him? And so as we know him, but we also know him in an in intimacy of our father, but he is in heaven. And we start to live a life that shows how much we revere God, how much we honor God, how much we respect God. And then it goes on to say this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Right? Right? So now we're talking about the kingdom. Whose kingdom? God's. Now, in a kingdom, who gets their way? The king, right? The king. The king determines what's going to be done, how it's going to be done, when it's going to be done. And the unfortunate thing about the kingdoms of the world is they're very, very corrupt compared to the kingdom of God. All right, they, they, they may be just, but they're not perfect like the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is a perfect kingdom. It's a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom of health. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of wisdom. All the best of everything is the kingdom of God. We can't even comprehend that. But we're saying your kingdom God's kingdom come. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I was sitting down and it started to just go through my mind how, how you know, if, if we could, how we would rewrite this prayer. And I'm just going to share it with you. My Father who is in heaven, hallowed, honored, exalted, be my name with many likes and followers. My kingdom come. My will be done every day in every way. Forgive me my trespasses and convict and correct everyone who has trespassed against me. And lead me around all obstacles, opposition, and difficulties and deliver me into all your blessings and benefits. For mine is the kingdom and the popularity and the glory forever. Amen. I read that a couple of times out loud to myself, and I said, you know what? It's true. That's what we would want. Because we are so self-focused. And, and if you and I really look at our lives, how, much great, how many great things have we done in our lives just because of us? And I want you to know when we look at our lives and we see the amazing things God has protected us from, and we won't know the side of heaven, all those things, and all the provisions God's made, 
that we are unaware of. That's why we need his kingdom, not ours. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now I want to tell you something about this. Uh, there are the more modern translations say on earth as it is in heaven. But in the original language, that word, word um, the initial English translations, the early English translations all used in, in earth instead of on earth. And the reason why that both are correct, because there's going to be a kingdom of God established on earth. There's a thousand year reign that God is going to reign on this earth before it's all said and done. And if you read your Bible, God is going to destroy this earth with fire. He's going to create a new earth, a new Jerusalem because of the corruption that's in this world. But, but understand that millennial kingdom is not the first kingdom. Where God wants to establish a kingdom is in earth. That doesn't mean inside the globe. That means in you and me because we are made of the dust of the earth. So your kingdom come, your will be done in us, in me. We're praying, God, do your will in me. And then we go out and live the way we want to live. And we counteract what we prayed for. You see how this is in many ways vain praying because we're asking for something that we're not walking out. And when we talk about this kingdom, it says in earth as it is where? So literally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, we are supposed to be showing what the kingdom of God and the will of God looks like as it's done in heaven in our lives. Anybody here besides me a little overwhelmed by that? Because do you think there are people in heaven today that are going like, oh my gosh, it's Sunday. Do I have to go to the throne room of God? Do, do I have to enter into that praise and worship? You know, they're so loud. And all those angels flying around, they're just distracting. If I could have just a little corner and a little quiet. What a bad attitude. Guess what? It's not in heaven. If I could just have this, if I could just have... Whose will is done in heaven? Whose will is supposed to be done in us? That means whose will is going to have to go? Ours. Yeah, our, our will is on the way out. God's will is on the way in. And I will tell you this, the more of God's will we do, the more of God's kingdom, his reign, him governing and guiding and guarding us, we have the better off our life is going to be. Now, that's not without obstacles and opposition. But it means every obstacle you face, you don't face it alone. God's there with you, and he's going to have you become what he said overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things. And that's why we need his kingdom, not ours. In battles, kings would go out first. They would lead the troops. How many troops you got? 
How big's your posse? Huh? How deep are your pockets? How big is your bank account? How are you on miracles? See, when we really think about it, it makes no sense for us to have our kingdom. Because our kingdom is in jeopardy all the time of overthrow. God's kingdom has never been defeated and never will. And do you know that Jesus spoke more about the kingdom of God than faith, prayer, and love all put together? So if, if Jesus is teaching in his earthly walk faith and prayer and love, which are important, but there's a topic that he teaches multiplied times more than those, do you think it's important? Obviously it is. It's important because he's making a point of making it a priority. And so when we look at Jesus' life, we see him teaching these things, but why? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 in the Phillips translation says this. Since we have been given, we've been what? You know, one of the things about gifts that are given, sometimes we don't recognize how valuable they are when they're given to us. And so we just set them aside. But we receive them and then we, we, get, we get enamored with other things. I remember when the kids were little, Christmas was always a trip because I would spend the night putting together toys that they were either break or put to the side as soon as another box came out. And we're not too far from that. We're looking for the next box, the next thing. And yet there's nothing better than this kingdom that God's given us. Don't let it be moved from the priority of your life. That's why when we talked about the fear of the Lord and we talked about that he should have the preeminent, he should be the one that we have preeminent adoration and awe of. The first in everything. Since we have been given a kingdom that is unshakable. Man, that's so important in the days we're living in right now because there are so many things going on. It is, it is mind-boggling. It's not a surprise that people are overwhelmed. The people are dealing with depression and anxiety because of the overload of bad news out there. And if you as a Christian and I as a Christian aren't spending equal amounts of time in the word for what we're consuming of information of the world, then we're in trouble. Because the world's information is not good news. And God's kingdom is about the good news, the gospel. But it's unshakable. Let us serve God with thankfulness. Do you know that gratitude gives you altitude? The more you are thankful, your life is lifted higher. 
If you are depressed all the time, if you're discouraged all the time, I would encourage you to try something. Just try it. Try it for three days. Don't talk about all the things you're discouraged about, all the things you're depressed about. Talk about all the goodness of God. And don't just think it, talk it. Because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And when you begin to thank God and appreciate God, show gratitude to God, and remind yourself of the blessings of God, all of a sudden, you know, that stuff didn't change, but now you've got the right focus, and your life begins to be hope-filled because you're focused on the God of all hope that fills you with joy and peace. Let us serve God with thankfulness in ways which, what are the next two words? Please him. Well, you know, pastor, I don't know about this. It sounds like it's all about him. What about me? Just like John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. If you want your life to be filled with joy, there's an order to your life. It's just like the word joy, the letters for joy. Jesus, others, and you. And you know, when you start to look at God and, and you focus on his kingdom and his will being done in your life, that's what you were created for. There is a sense of fulfillment that you'll get no other way, no matter what you accomplish, no matter what you gain. And then when you start to Minister to others. Again, I shared more blessed to give than receive, but when you start to affect and influence somebody else's life and you bring a blessing to them and you're a support to them and you're an encouragement to them, understand that your life has changed because their life has changed. And then you don't have to worry about you because it's all taken care of in ways that please him, but always with reverence and holy fear. So this kingdom, this kingdom is important. And Jesus started out his ministry preaching about the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 and, and 23, this is the beginning of his ministry. He's gone through being baptized by John the Baptist. He goes out into the wilderness. Forty days he's tempted, days and nights. He comes back, and this is where he is. And from then on, Jesus began to preach Repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, this is what God, Jesus went around preaching. And then in verse 23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Why? Because that's what the kingdom is about. This is a kingdom of life. It's not a kingdom of sickness. It's not a kingdom of disease. It's not a kingdom of poverty. It's not a kingdom of pain. It's not a kingdom of poverty. This is the kingdom of God. And it's near. How close is it? For you as a Christian, it's already arrived. The potential for us to experience the kingdom of God before we get to heaven happens every day because we have God, the Spirit of God, living within us.
And how many of you know wherever the Spirit of God is, the kingdom of God is there? But it's whether we're going to allow the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God and the Word of God and the will of God and the way of God to be done in our lives and then through our lives. If we're going to embrace the kingdom way, this new kingdom, instead of operating half and half, you know, like in our own Palmer. I got half the kingdom of God and half the kingdom of the world. Well, that's division. And anything divided will not stand. That's why we get ripped off all the time. And I'm telling you, we're, this morning we're exposing the tactics of the enemy and also the plans and provisions of God. And you need to know both. You shouldn't be afraid of the enemy because he's defeated. But you should be aware that he is very deceptive, very crafty, and he is relentless. And he is going to continue to try and take you down. And if you don't know who you are and what is yours, you can be taken down. That's why it's so important to know that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And when the enemy knocks on the door of your life, you can tell him to go take a hike. That's not mine. I don't answer to you. I answer to the king of the kingdom of which I am from. Then we find in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 42 and 43, it says early the next morning Jesus went out to an isolated place. Again, he was going out to pray. Jesus' life, if you look at Jesus' life in the Gospels, you'll see that before Jesus did any major thing, the thing that preceded, every time that preceded that was prayer. That when when. He was going to pick the disciples. You know what he did? He prayed all night. Why? Because he wanted that communion with the Father, wanted to get direction and guidance. He wanted to make sure he was submitted to the Father so he would have what the Father had for him. Before miracles, Jesus would pray. These things don't come from us, but they come through us. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Listen. Miracles, blessings, benefits, they don't come from us. They don't start in us. They come from your heavenly Father that it says in James that every good or best and perfect gift he, he gives us. See, these don't come from us, but they do come through us. And so our connection with the Father and with the kingdom is so important. And if we aren't connected, it's not going to flow. But if we're not cleaned, it's not going to flow. There's a degree of connectedness we have to have with the Father. But our sinfulness hinders the work of God through our lives. When things get short-circuited in electricity, it's because something is out of place. Something isn't working the way it should. And you and I weren't created to work with sin in our lives. Sin hinders God. Sin also, the Bible says, hides God's face from us. Now, 
The Bible tells us man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. If his face is hidden from us, we're not going to get what we need. Not because he's not willing to give it. We just can't receive it. We are unaware of it. So that's why that prayer is so important. We connect with God. We commune with God. We allow God to influence us, work in us, and then work through us. So he went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. Now, I, I want to ask you a question. If you had crowds searching for you, and they're chanting your name, and they're saying, don't leave us, don't leave us, we need you, what kind of pressure does that put on you? It's not just pressure of the demand of people. But how heady is that? How does that affect you? Oh, they need me. Everybody needs me. All of a sudden, we get this inflated head of pride. Well, they can't get along without me. Do you know what? That wasn't, that wasn't what Jesus was concerned about. Jesus was concerned about doing what his father had for him to do. And that's why fame and notoriety, I'll bet you he probably had more likes than anybody, except for the religious people. They begged him not to leave, but he replied, I must. This is a non-negotiable. I must preach the good news of the kingdom. Why was he preaching the good news of the kingdom? Because that's what people need to hear. People need to hear the good news and they need to know about the kingdom of God. Because that's what changes our life. Because Jesus is the doorway to the kingdom. He is our Savior and Lord. And we become born again through his sacrificial work. And we become citizens of the kingdom when we repent of our sin, when we turn and receive Jesus as Lord, all of a sudden we become immediate citizens of the kingdom of God, even though we're still in this earth. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns because that is why I was what? Sent. Top priority. Top priority. All the way through Jesus' ministry, that's what he talked about, the kingdom of God. He gave other things that he talked about too. But the major emphasis of Jesus in his walk in the earth was the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God. And in Acts chapter 1, this is, this is after his death and resurrection. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. So this is the last contact physically he's going to have with his disciples, the, the, the apostles. And it says, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about, guess what? That's right, the kingdom of God. How many of you know the last things he's going to say to his, his followers, his apostles, his disciples is pretty important. 
And he's talking about the kingdom of God. And do you know that the last chapter and the last verse in Acts, Acts chapter 28, verse 31, it talks about Paul, the Apostle Paul, preaching about the kingdom of God. And do you know that the book of Acts is still being written? What do you mean? I got a book that's in a book and there's nothing else being written. No, no. You are still writing what God is doing in the earth through his vessels. And we are moving towards the greatest glory this world has ever seen in the revival that God has for you and me and every other Christian in the earth to be a part of. But we have to be prepared. We have to be ready. We have to be willing and available. This kingdom, what's, what's it about? Well, it can get in his way. He tells us what and how and when and who. But in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, this gives us a little insight. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Then in the Amplified, it says it this way. After all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of, eating, of getting the food and drink one likes. Do you know that there are a lot of Christians that think the kingdom of God, becoming a Christian, is you being able to finally get your way? That God can help you get your way. And it's an amazing thing because there is a reversal of roles and positions and responsibilities that sometimes Christians do. Where... God becomes our servant. We become the one that dispatches him to what we want him to do. Now, does anybody here besides me think that's a little twisted? Because who's supposed to be serving who? We're supposed to be serving God. Because God can be trusted and we can't. Oh, that was an assault. I, 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 did, I did not mean to, to assault you. But sometimes truth hurts. The only one that can be trusted all the time is God. Because his way is best. His will is best. His kingdom is perfect. And we want to believe that we have the best ideas and we'll do the best things the best ways, but we don't. And so we operate under this deception at times, and it's time to get the light on, on our lives have it shine on our lives, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. That means any other way than we have other than his is not the way. It's not the truth. It's not going to bring us life. We're going to know this like we never did here once we get to heaven. And we're going to be looking back and saying, you know, hey, how many of you have looked, some of you are young enough, you don't really look at pictures, you look at the photos on your phone. But uh, Debbie and I have been going through pictures and things, and, and I got into a, uh, an album, and I'm looking at these pictures of me when I was living here in Rome when I was in sixth grade. And you will never see these pictures. 
these pictures will not see the light of day. Because the stuff I was wearing is like, what? Now, the, the reality is, if I wait long enough, if I had that stuff, that fashion would come around again. But it was certainly strange when I look at it now, and it's like embarrassing. And you know when we get to heaven, when we look back on our life and think, why, why, why did I do all that stuff and let, not let God have his way? It, it's going to be a real reality check to us. And that's why I believe the Bible tells us that God's going to wipe away every tear in heaven because we're going to realize for the first time what the opportunities were that God gave us and what we did with them and those that we didn't do anything with. And there's going to be heartbreak, but then there's going to be a rejoicing. And that's it. You know, this isn't about you getting what you want. It's not about food or drink, but that's what kingdoms were about. Would you have enough food because your king was prosperous enough and would he be able to protect you and do all that? Your king is prosperous enough and he can protect you. But instead, it is righteousness, that state which a, makes a person acceptable to God. It's right living. It's us aligning with God, doing what God has for us to do and being what God has for us to be. When we live godly as God imitators, our life opens up for all that God has to flow to us and through us. And a heart peace, a heart peace, you know, that is so foreign in so many people's lives to have peace just penetrating, blanketing, overflowing your heart. And yet that's what God wants. And that word for peace, we've talked about it many, many times. It's the word irene, which means nothing until you find out what it actually means. It means to be at one again, to be set at one again. Do you know that Adam and Eve had great, grateful hearts filled with peace in the garden before sin? They weren't troubled about anything. They weren't anxious about anything. They weren't worried about anything. They weren't afraid of anything. And that's exactly what God created us to live like. And then sin came in, and now we are experiencing the effects of sin for thousands of years. And one day we'll be in heaven and that won't have a hold on us anymore. But we don't have to wait for heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth, in us, as it is in heaven. Not when we get to heaven. As it is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will done in me, in you, in us before we ever see heaven, but people will see heaven. People will see heaven in you, working in you, the peace of heaven working in you, the joy of heaven working in you, the hope of heaven working in you, that confident expectation of good. Yeah, we live in a world that's broken and growing darker and more difficult and more dangerous and more desperate all the time. But we're in this world, not of this world. We are citizens of heaven and we can be in this environment without the effects of the environment getting in us. And in that moment, you become 
what God's word intended for you and me to become. Peculiar. Different. You could say odd. I wouldn't say weird. But somebody that sticks out. You're an anomaly. When everybody else is freaking out because this or that is happening. And they look at you and you're over there and they're wondering, are you comatose? What's wrong with you? How come, you, how come, how come you're not screaming? How come you're not complaining? How come you're not angry? How come you're not? Let me ask you a question. Do you think anger is going to be in heaven? Then it shouldn't be in you. Do you think unforgiveness is going to be in heaven? Then it shouldn't be in you. Do you think fear is going to be in heaven? It shouldn't be in you. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, it's the respect and reverence of God. So it's not fear with terror. And God even said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. Think about your life. Think about the characteristics of your life as I think about my life. And can I imagine, is that something that's going to be in heaven? Is impatience going to be in heaven? Are people going to be impatient? No, then it shouldn't be in me. I'm so grateful we're not going to be driving cars in heaven. But all those things, think about it. If they, you can't see, you can't really recognize that that would be in heaven, then it shouldn't be in us. And we need to take steps to turn towards God and let God have his way. Let his kingdom begin to reign in our lives. Let his will be done. Because until his kingdom, until we really establish the reign of God, God governing our lives, we'll never do his will. Not consistently. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And when it is, this kingdom brings peace and joy and right standing with God. We don't keep going off into the, the boonies of sin. We stay tracking in the godliness and holiness that God has for us. Also about the kingdom, Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. It says this, now when he was asked by the Pharisees. Now, were the Pharisees looking for information or looking for something to try and trap Jesus with? Yeah, they were trying to trap Jesus. Asked when the kingdom of God would come. You know, they were also thinking, geez, you know, if this is real, we're going to be out of a job soon. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observations. Isn't that an odd thing for him to say? Observations. Nor will they say, see here or see, see there. Do you know what the Pharisees did? The Pharisees created all sorts of laws beyond the Ten Commandments. And these were hedge laws. These were laws that were like guardrails to keep you from going past the Ten Commandments. And yet they started to 
create more and more barriers, more and more duties, more and more laws, more and more things you had to keep. You had to observe traditions. Things that they said are really important. And, and yet it just distracted from the truth. But he goes on to say, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Within you. When we talk about the kingdom of God, that's why. That's why Jesus would say, wherever you go, the kingdom of God is at hand. You literally, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you literally represent and carry the kingdom of God, the domain of God, the rule of God with you wherever you go. So the next time you walk into a situation and it's overwhelming because we all have that happen or it's just a surprise and we're shocked and we're undone and all of a sudden that fear wants to grip us, realize the kingdom of God is at hand. God's rule and reign lives in you. That means you have an option, like you and I always have an option. Am I going to let this external, this fear, this surprise, this whatever begin to grip and rule my life? Or am I going to let God continue to govern, to reign, to guard my life and I... I am aware that's what's going on, but I am not affected by it because I am under the rule of the king of the kingdom of God. And knowing that the kingdom of God has all sorts of resources available to you everywhere all the time so whatever it is that you're undone by you're shocked by you're overwhelmed by you're disappointed by you you are filled with fear by push it out and let the kingdom of god rise up within you remind yourself because sometimes nobody's there to do it for us there were times David had to encourage himself, the Bible says, in the Lord. Because all the people that he had been, been with, that were part of his band, his, his army, said, we're going to kill you. And he had to turn to God himself and encourage himself. Sometimes you have to do this yourself. You have to remind yourself, man, I am not alone. I am not facing this on my own. I have almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. He is with me. He is for me. He has everything available to me. And so, Lord, I'm turning to you. I've given you me. Now I'm giving you this. Because you can do so much more than I can. And everything you do is the best and perfect. This is why we pray this. Our Father, who's in heaven, we honor your name with the way we live, the way we talk, the way we act and think. 
We want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in me just as it is in heaven. Close your eyes. Your kingdom come, God. Heavenly Father, our Father, your will be done in us, in me, as it is in heaven. When you hear his kingdom and his will being done in you, as it is in heaven, that is an indication of your potential. This is what God says is possible in your life. That heaven, the way things work in heaven would work in you here in this broken earth. The fullness of joy, the fullness of peace, the fullness of wisdom, the fullness of power, all those things. Now open your eyes. Listen. Your potential is unlimited because your God is unlimited. And for us to be afraid or worried or oppressed or any of that, we've got to shift. Just as of prayer, I'm going to my Heavenly Father. I'm looking to honor His name. I want your kingdom. Help me to deny myself. Isn't that what Jesus said to his disciples? If you want to be my follower, you have to, number one, deny yourself. Number two, pick up your cross. And number three, follow him. That's all about the kingdom. Putting our kingdom aside and letting his kingdom reign. It's possible. Not after you go to Bible school. Not after you've been a Christian for a hundred years. Do you know how quickly it's possible? The day you're born again. The Spirit of God, the kingdom of God come within you. And from that day on, we are all looking to try and give the kingdom of God its place in our life instead of our kingdom and other kingdoms that we have bowed down to. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you have never turned to Christ and trusted in Christ, just like Jesus said in the beginning, he was preaching, repent of your sin, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent means to turn around, change your mind and turn around from what you're acting and doing and go in a different direction. Today, the question is, have you ever repented? Have you ever turned around? Turned around from everything else you've been facing and pursuing to turn to the one, the one that every human being needs in their life to experience life the way the creator wanted it to be. And that's Jesus. If you've never done that, Today I'm going to invite you, whether you're here or online, to pray a prayer. And, and it's not a magical prayer. It is 
you saying to God, I am receiving your forgiveness. I am turning to trust in you. I'm giving you my life so that you can come and live in me and have your life fill my life so I can overflow into others. But without him, it doesn't happen. But with him, all these things are possible. But it's something you have to do. And it's a beginning. The rest of your days in the earth and then from earth to eternity, you'll be living a life that is in line with that prayer. So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came to the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins, was dead and buried and raised glorious and victorious to the right hand of you, Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I recognize my need for you, my Savior. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours, you are mine. Thank you for saving me. Guide me, govern me, guard me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer here today, let somebody know before you leave. If you prayed online, go to the website reslifeny.org. Go down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want to be contacted, give us some contact information. Isn't God good? All, all, all the time. Amen. Would you stand? Remember prayer, praise and prayer. It's the only opportunity that we make available. Well, that's not true. We have Wednesday prayer and then we have... Monday night praise and prayer, which is a time for us to get together. But, uh, you know, as, as people that are in God's kingdom, Jesus said, my, my house, that's what you are. You're the house of God. My house will be a house of prayer. And he encouraged us that we're to pray without ceasing. And it's not that God wants to hear us talk to him all the time. Sometimes we need to listen. Amen. I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every one of your people, those that are online and those that are here. We go throughout our week, you know exactly what's ahead of us. And you are so good to go ahead of us and prepare the way. It's not that we don't have obstacles or oppositions, but Father, through those, we're able to see you work and your faithfulness like never before. Help us to stand firm, our eyes on you, our trust in you, and remind us that your kingdom is within us and at hand. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. have a great week.